Hello and welcome to the first episode for 2022 for the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and we're going to have Dan. How are you, Dan? Um, yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not too bad. Sure, uh, probably a bit of a loaded question. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not going to go too much into uh, personal circumstance, but in terms of a footballing point of uh, perspective, I'm a little disheartened with the last couple of results. Uh, interestingly, like, you know, with, with how things happened at, at City with the... the positive COVID tests and everything. It's been a actually somewhat quiet Christmas period in terms of football, um, which, I mean, I guess has allowed me to spend more time doing other things. But um, Yeah, look, it sort, of, it sort of crept up on us, didn't it? Because it almost felt like we. I was sort of sitting there going, oh, look at all these postponed games, look at all these teams unorganised. And we kept getting put on um, KO over here, which is our streaming service, that, like our Fox uh, Sky Sports equivalent. And we're sort of going, oh, look, we keep getting the televised games because they're so confident that City games aren't going to get cancelled. And then there was what, I think it was McCann got sick and we went, oh, okay, that's a, that's a bit of a worry. And then I think Cliff Burns said, oh, there's two or three cases in the camp. And we went, oh, it's not too much. That should be all right. And then all of a sudden it's 17 cases and it's, you know, geez, what's happened? Yeah, look, it, it went pretty wild. But that, I mean, that's, that's just a small version of what's happening everywhere because I mean, yeah. in New South Wales here, it's just cool. when uh, Only a week ago, it was 1,000 new cases a day and now at 20,000 or something. But yeah. sort of beside the point. Um, <clears throat> but in terms of footballing, uh, look, the last couple of results have been disappointing. I think neither, I don't think we really deserve to lose either of them. Um, one, I think, and it's been the two penalties that have been the, the, that's the big points of, of each of those games. One deserved, one not so. Um, and you sort of had a lack of cutting edge against Blackpool. And I don't know whether what the real go, whether there's that's a, a follow on or, or, or a run on effect from some of those players having had COVID and, and you know, the week off training and, and the body recovering and all that sort of stuff. Well, but. Yeah, that, that's what I'm sort of wondering. I mean, especially with Longman and you look at the comments from McCann. I mean, we're sort of jumping around a bit, but the comments from McCann about Longman's uh, cramps during that Blackpool game um, and you look at sort of the rustiness perhaps with some of the players in that game, you think, well, maybe that's, that's a result of not really having trained. I think there was the comment that was it three or four players or was it six players maybe even had come back a couple of days before the Blackpool game, which is basically what meant we were able to field as, as strong a team as we did. Um, but they must have been pretty rusty. They wouldn't have been able to have any training. Mm. But look, we'll, we'll talk about that Blackpool game in a second, just quickly, because we have sort of touched on that Forest game already in the uh, To Hull and Back Christmas episode. If you haven't checked that out already, very much recommended. It was lots of fun to do, sort of talking about making that an annual event. So hopefully we'll appeal to uh, to Rick, who did a great job with the questions, but we might try and get some more uh, more recent questions. I think both teams got a bit stumped on some of the um, the older questions at times, but it was still it was a, a fantastic thing to watch. Um, but, yeah, just on that Forest game, uh, you sort of said already the undeserved penalty for them, having gone ahead uh, through a Keenless pot of goal, which is you know going to be up there for goal of the season, I think. Uh, who really stood out for you? We'll, go, we'll do the MVP vote, so maybe that's how we can touch on the game. Um. Look, I think it, it sort of becomes a continuation of, I think, the last time I was on. I was talking about how McLaughlin, McLaughlin had been sort of the 
the quiet achiever who was just going about his business, but was steadily, I guess, steadily growing into and, and becoming more and more commanding. I think that same thing is what we've seen, even over the you know the the Forest game and the Blackpool game again. Um, so I think um, it's it's quite a while away back, but I think he was again one that performed really well. Um, I don't even know if these aren't in any particular order at the moment. I haven't really decided. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's hard. Because I think, did he, it was his ball to KLP, wasn't it? Yeah, it was his ball to the KLP. And I think he was also part of, um, I might be starting to blend the games together now, but I know he was definitely part of uh, stopping a couple of almost certain goals yeah. for Forrest, I, yeah. I think, through the game. Yeah. Um, KLP obviously uh, deserves points somewhere. Because oh, just as, as as touched on an outstanding finish, um, and over the last two games at least, the only player who offers any sort of credible threat to opponents' goals, which is quite disappointing. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's a bit of a probably yeah. It's actually, a bit of a. No, sorry, I mean, it's a while ago. I'll probably actually go Doherty. I think Doherty again the last. Not so much Blackpool, but just before that Christmas break was starting to, um, it was really pushing back into the the form that we got to know last year with those the, the driving runs, you know, into the edges, into the channels, and the edge of the boxes, and you know, some some overlapping, and you know, that, um, a lot of that hard work is and oh, sorry. <clears throat> That's a lot right. of his hard work was starting to come, you know, to fruition and show have some some end results. So I think I'll go. Yeah, oh, just I guess in the order that I ended up naming them: McLaughlin, KLP, and Doherty. Yeah, I'm not too far off that as well. I think McLaughlin was definitely the standout for this one again. Um, as you said, you know, getting that that through ball through to KLP, um, a few real decent clearances to prevent goals for Forrest as well. Uh, KLP for the two votes for that goal itself. Um, I've gone Honeyman for the one, but I think I struggled just as much as you just did because it was a game where I think there was a clear standout top two and then you could kind of throw a blanket over over the next couple of players to, to who was deserving of the one vote. I think, I think as you said, I mean, it, we probably didn't deserve to, deserve to lose either of the games. I think Forrest, whilst they had that pressure in the first half, it seemed a very distinct style or a decision on, on the way we were approaching the game to play that sort of absorb the pressure and then launch those counterattacks, which is exactly how we got that goal. So um, uh, I think it's the sort of game where if we had won it, um, uh, Cooper would have probably come out after the game and said, oh, look at all the possession we had, look at all the chances we created as a reason why they should have won the game. And it's like, well, but that's presumably because we've sort of sat back and let you have all that possession. So, um, well, we, we did lose the game in the end, but it is what it is. Um, we've then got the Blackpool game. So uh, I guess having sort of already touched on all the issues around the COVID tests and the postponed games, there's probably a little bit of controversy in just how strong a team we named. But I was thinking through it the other day because of trying to understand how, if we kept, if we got six players back, how we named a side that only had essentially Wilkes missing. And when you think about the fact that Coyle, Jones, Huddleston and Emmanuel are also all injured, that's four players out of your 25, that's 21. You take out maybe it's six or seven because we had Ingram and Wilkes missing still, so that's that's eight players. That only gives you the 13 players and you're meant to have 14 available. Then you throw in all the under-23s getting COVID as well. So I think that's, that's probably how it worked out. It does... It does always look a bit funny when you kind of go, we've had games postponed and then all of a sudden we've got a full-strength side again. But um, I think that's just the way things go at the moment. We saw it 
with Palace in the Premier League as well, they they named like I think one change at their side after they tried to get their game called off. Um, that's a bit of a sidetrack. Game itself, um, penalty in the first half. I think it was after Elder had gone off injured. Um, we had Graves give away the penalty. I think there's a bit of a debate about the penalty itself. I think it was there. I think it was Graves kind of kicks into Bowler's ankle, which then hits the ball. So I don't think it was Graves that deviated the ball. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just another penalty, two games in a row that really it's sort of a, a tough way to lose a game. Yeah, look, on um, on first look, uh, first my first vision and my first uh, instinct was that it wasn't a penalty. I was like, fuck, here we go again. It's bullshit. It's done by the refs. But then once they, once they start, they showed the replays a couple of times. They showed a couple of different angles. I'm fairly, actually, I'm okay with that decision. Um, there is definitely contact with Greaves on Bowler, and it's hard to tell whether he got ball first or Bowler first. And you just don't, like, there's, there's no reason to to dive in in mm. that position, really. Um, especially, uh, yeah. you know, I know McCann came out afterwards and said they'd spoken about Josh Bowler and just put trying yeah. to push him down the outside and not letting him cut in on his left. And, and we so, know Bowler so well. He's got no end product. Yeah. I, know, I was a bit surprised after the game, City fans on Twitter saying, like, where was this for us when he played for us? Like, well, you know, this great Josh Bowler. I was like, this is what he was for us. He was this tricky winger who could cut inside but then couldn't finish, couldn't shoot, yeah. couldn't do much. And it was like, well, just let him yeah, do it. Yeah, we should have let him shoot, though. He probably would have yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, do, do, I'd almost say, would this have almost been Greaves' worst game of the season? And that's not like, I'm not saying that's like a massive, you know, drop him or anything like that. I'm just saying, I think it was definitely one of his poorer displays. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, yeah, I can compare to some of the, 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 the games he's had this year. This was certainly down a little bit. Um, I probably, apart from, uh, now I want. Now I'm thinking about it. I was going to say, apart from the penalty, there wasn't that much wrong. But then I was thinking there was two or three, yeah, little fouls and silly things that he did, misplaced passes, things like that as mm. well. I think, yeah. So, and look, it could be, as we just said, it could well be he's one of the players who's been out with COVID and he's just come back with mm. a week, ten days of no training, and and it's just a bit rusty. But yeah, he just seemed a bit off it. Yeah, he probably he did. He I would say he probably was a little a little down, but um, not. Yeah, as I sort of actually said, not so much that I'd be uh, worried about his his position in the side, even if we, we do even have enough fit players to replace him anyway. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, well, speaking of fit players as well, we had Elder go off in the first half, so we got um, you know 70 minutes or so of Tyler Smith up top, uh, which fans have been calling for for a while. He he had a few good moments. He had that chance where he pushed off Keo. I thought fairly. I mean, it's it's a physical game. It's a 50-50. He seems to get get off Keo and, and through on goal, and, and the ref sees it differently. Um, and then, obviously, that big chance at the end as well, which he's hit right at the keeper, or, or you know, the keeper's maybe made a great save for it. Um, what did you make of his game? Uh, probably disappointing overall, and maybe mm. that is just because he had, I think, two options. Opportunities where he was in the six-yard box striking on goal, and one is shanked like real bad. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That like where he could have, I guess, went over. Yeah, yeah, that's out of his boot or something. Yeah, yeah. And it, it should have just been like, just make sure you get connection because he, he just needed to get it on target, and like I can't see the keepers having saving it from there um, unless he hit it straight at him again or something. But the key one. 
I don't understand that at all. In no way was Kiam impeded from getting the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, they were both they were sort of tussling those arms on each other. Tyler Smith pushes away as he turned, like or like he's turning and trying to make his run. It made no sense to. Um, I think Kia just played it, played the referee there. You know, I think it's one of those ones where he knows he's been done. So he's like, my only opportunity now, or my only um, option yes, now, is, is to, to go down it. to try and to try and buy the free kick. Yeah. yeah. And so all he, I think all he did was he like did the the shirt like to the ref and went, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Probably done. But yeah, like I thought there was nothing in that that you know would have put him one on one, and I think that probably would have been Tyler's his best an opportunity that would have suited him. You know. Away from the defense, no pressure, the time to, to pick his spot and just, um, you know, hopefully slot it away. And then I, th- I think that's sort of where he's at at the moment. He's he's come in, he hasn't really hit the ground running at all in any real sense. Um, and he's just waiting for that goal. And I think, yeah. And I think we were sort of talking in the chat. He seems the sort, he's quite a small player. He seems the sort who really needs a good hold-up player next to him to play off. Um, and we're talking a little bit about some of the fantastical transfer links that we've had in January, but it certainly seems like we need a better quality striker playing next to him. I think Eves, when he came on, didn't offer a whole... Oh, it was Again, it was a really disappointing game from Eves as well. I mean, sometimes he'll come on and he'll actually you know, give us something. He'll look decent off the bench or whatever, but... This was one of his games where he just seemed to foul at every opportunity. He didn't seem to do it too much right. So a bit of a disappointing one from him. It sounds like Magenis might be an injury doubt for the Everton game as well. So maybe Eves gets another chance. But um, it's looking very, uh, very light on for options up top at the moment. Yeah, look, I mean, Eves did give away a bunch of fouls. And I'm not denying that. But I felt like at least a couple of them were very harsh by the referee. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, he, you know, he's just, he's like an Andy Carroll. He's too it's so mm. big that they just assume oh, if he wins the ball, it's got to be a foul. Yeah. It's just got to be I mean, too clumsy. He did well to win us a couple of fouls that were obviously the free kicks were then wasted. But um, you know, got in a tussle and managed to throw himself to the floor and, and win us a, win us a free kick in uh, the Blackpool half. But yeah, not as um, not as uh, as energetic and and useful as he has been uh, in other cameos of the bench, but yeah, I think uh, certainly going into Everton if Magennis. I mean, not that Magennis has offered much anyway, but um, yeah, you're certainly right. I mean, maybe this is where we're going. Well, you know, Josh Hines has been recalled from loan. Young Straga, maybe just go bugger it. Let's um, let's give him a go. See what he can do, or at least yeah. off the bench, surely. Um, yeah, you know, if, if Eves and Smith start then, you know, coming with 25 minutes to go or something, go, let's just let this let a, let a young kid have a have a crack at it. Or, Definitely. I don't know, what else? Put Brendan Fleming at left back, and uh, left wing back, and at least let KLP yeah. have a proper go up top or something. Or Long, Long, Longman, maybe. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I don't know what the latest is with Moncur because he was another one who came in and was sort of touted as an option who could play across that front three, but... I don't know if he's out with COVID or if he's got something else. He seems a bit of a mystery one at the moment. I can't, I can't remember the last time he played. He's When he was in the team, he was sort of one of the better summer, mm. summer signings and he's just sort of disappeared off the radar. Yeah, I don't know. don't and know what's going on. Um, but yeah. We'll figure it out. Something will happen. There'll, there'll, there'll be a team that will play on against Everton in the, in the Cup and we'll see what happens. That's right. That's right. Well, I'll give my three to one first of all for this one. And I actually found this one of the tougher ones to give votes for just seemed like first half there's a bit of promise second half not a whole lot um I've gone Doherty for my three actually I think he 
I think he was a really energetic presence around the field. And he was one of the ones where you look for the players who are really just putting that effort in when um, some of the players, I think, were a bit exasperated with um, with some of the players just not not doing a whole lot around the pitch. But I thought that, uh, that Doherty was was quite a strong performer for us in this one. And, and like you sort of alluded to with the Forest game, I think he's he's been putting in some good performances. He doesn't have the goals from last season to show for it, which probably diminishes him him in um, in estimations a little bit. But um, in a game where not many stood out, I, I, I kind of ended up giving the three to him, which was probably just to avoid giving McLaughlin the three for, two, for what would probably be the third or fourth week in a row. But I gave him the two votes because I thought he had another, another great game. Um, in a game where Greaves didn't do much right, I thought um, Bernard was a bit anonymous at times. I think he, you know, Bernard had one or two reasonable moments as well to be fair to him but I thought McLaughlin again was the shining light back there Baxter Baxter to me he's 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 doing a good job but I think he's probably getting damned by his own praise where um he set such high standards in those first few games it's hard to sort of sit there and look at his games and go that was a standout game from him because it's just that standard that he set so um McLaughlin was probably the one that I went for in that back four players um and then KLP because I thought KLP was probably our most attacking or dangerous player like yeah, at times he took shots from pretty far out where you could argue maybe he should have played someone in, but then you think he's probably one of those players in the side who's been given that license to just take shots from wherever because he's he's earned that right with his goal-scoring ability. So he was creating chances in that first half in particular. He had a few really good opportunities um, and looked our best threat at, at, throughout most of the game, so he got the one vote from me. Um, look, I've gone a little bit differently. I actually still gave KLP all three points. Um, and I think I touched on it earlier. He was by far and away our most dangerous player throughout that game. Um, even once shifted back to left wing back. And I think there was a couple of moments where, you know, he was tracking the 80 yards, 80 metres back into his own 18-yard box to try and stop um, stop shots. I think he, I can't remember which it was, but he charged the thing, slid back, and then allowed Greaves or McLaughlin to come in and clean up. Uh, I don't think it was Bowler. It was one of the others. But anyway, um, and so that was one moment that I really actually I just – a moment that I noticed that I was like that's, you know, sort of typifies, you know, a young player who's hungry and, and, and performing well that he's still – he's willing to to get back. And I know obviously that's part of the job at, at left wing back. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> We don't see it necessarily from Wilkes on the other side sometimes, so it's always no. Good to so see from I think um, yeah. that sort of effort always impresses me. So I gave three to him, uh, two I've given to uh, McLaughlin because I think it, yeah, some of you sort of touched on it. He was the one who um, didn't seem to really put a foot too far wrong in this in this game against Blackpool. I think the thing with Bernard was probably not too far away, but there was a couple of moments where he got caught out of position when we were pushing. And I know we're, you know, we're pushing, we're trying to, to save a point, but there was one silly one that almost really cost, could have cost us um, where they were, he slid in, I think, and I think he gave away a free kick, but they were so close to getting past and around him. I think there was another time they did get around him yeah. and, and they were on a breakaway and it was 3v2 and they stuffed it up. But... Um, so two to McLaughlin. And my one I actually gave to Williams. I thought right. when he came on, um, you know, he was was dangerous enough. He was, I think he put the cross in that Smith, did he put the cross in? Or was, I don't know, he did a couple of things. He was in around the box he, and, and trying, he, to, he, trying he, to take some players on. Yeah, and he had he a did, chance himself quite late, I think, mm, as well. Yeah. So 
I thought he came on and, and I mean, if Longman is, you know, if the cramp is whatever, what, he doesn't recover from that or whatever. Because, I mean, it did yeah. seem quite, quite it, bad. That's, it, I was, it looked I was a lot confused worse than cramp. It looked I, I was a lot confused like it was, it was a calf cramp, injury yeah. or something. Because I, I was watching the game the next morning and and, and um, Kao has the ability to skip forward 15 seconds and I was like, still pretty tired. So I was just like, I was down injured. I'll skip forward 15 seconds of when play resumes. And then it was like, still being treated. Oh, another 15 seconds, still being treated. I was like, oh, this is a pretty serious injury. And then to hear it was just cramp, I was like, oh, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what goes with that. But I I mean, not that long deserves to be dropped, I think, over the last month or so. Um, or maybe more, six weeks. He's been quite good opposite um, on the opposite wing to KLP, but I wouldn't be um, upset now to see that Williams seems to have settled in, whether that's settled into the club or he's just actually fully fit now or whatever, But because he looked a bit lethargic and slow in some of the early appearances in the season and I was a bit of concern, mm. but he seems to have got himself right and he's bright and, and energetic and, and trying to take players on and trying to do things, and so I think... Um, I gave a point to him just for, for trying to do something and trying to rescue us and coming pretty close to, to being a part of that, um, to, to rescuing us at a point, yeah. which unfortunately didn't come to fruition. Yeah, that's true. And I think he's one that um, either is a good one to throw on late in games or else maybe get get a start in the next couple of games because, as you say, he's got that energy and that creativity. And he's, um, you know, if Wilkes is going to be out short, medium, long term, we don't know with what or... Uh, we'll talk in a second about potentially future at the club. Um, he, he's certainly one that could replace him on that side of the pitch. Um, cool. Okay, well, we'll go through the off-field discussion now. We'll try and skim through it a little bit because we're sort of hopeful, fingers crossed, that we'll have another episode of the podcast later in the week uh, when there's a bit of news floating about on Twitter, a certain corner flag perhaps getting uh, tweeted out from the club. Um, we've, we've sort of already touched on the COVID cases at the club. It looks like most of the players are back now, which is good to see. Hopefully a reasonably COVID-free squad for the Everton game. Um, transfer discussion, just we'll touch on briefly because I'm sure that'll form part of the discussion in that next pod. Um, Wilkes being left out. I mean, there's some discussion that either it's an injury or potentially that there's a chance that he could be on his way out of the club in January um, which at first thinking about it, I thought didn't quite make sense. But the more I think about it, the way he's been playing this first half of the season, if the takeover does go through, if we're starting to strengthen in that area and we want to sort of capitalise on some value in sales, uh, Wilkes is certainly one that would be front of the queue in terms of having some transfer value. Um, what, what do you see? Do you see do you see him probably just coming back into the side? Do you see it's nothing more than maybe an injury or, or do you reckon he could be on his way out? Um, look, I actually don't have any thought about it. I have no idea. Um, I wouldn't be upset if he left, I think is how I'd best put it. And I think, like, for a, a League One club who is, you know, essentially wanting to do what we did, you know, try and earn promotion, he showed last year at that level he can be very, very dangerous. Um, he's never really seemed to get that level in the championship. Um, so I wouldn't be disappointed. I, I honestly thought... You know, after last year, you know, he'd have a heap of confidence, he'd gel with his teammates, and he'd come in and he'd, and he'd have a better run at the championship this time around, but he just sort of mm. hasn't. Um, I almost wonder if he's sort of <clears throat> taking it for granted. He seems this, and I, I, this could be casting aspersions a little bit, but just looking at, at his, uh, he seems a very laid back person, I guess is what <laughs> I'm saying, is that maybe, maybe there's a chance that he's sort of come up and then he scored all the goals last season and thought, 
you know, this is a squad I can do it in and let's let's go. And and we saw he got injured on that opening day against Preston. And and I'm just wondering if maybe he thought he took the season for granted a little bit, um, mm-hmm. maybe underprepared a little bit. Um, may, maybe that's completely wrong. I could be way off base, but that's just sort of looking at his, his um, energy levels on the pitch as well. It just seems like maybe that's the risk. Um, so it could well be that yeah maybe league one suits him and that's sort of that motivation and, and that sort of playing in a league where he's almost too good for it is what he needs to which is sort of backwards when you think about it because you think if he's too good for it he'd actually try less but maybe he just enjoys beating up on um smaller clubs yeah look i think he's built to, he's he's built to be you know the star man of, of something like that seems to be his personality he thrived last year and that's a scenario where he's going to do all that sort of stuff but i think when it comes to that you know whether it's the next level or it's the championship or whatever where it becomes a lot more sometimes it's just a grind to to get through the games um and not every game becomes a three nil victory mm. it doesn't really seem to suit that sort of a that sort of a, of a system but i mean i don't know I, 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 I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be upset if he left. I don't. I have no real opinion on whether he will or won't. Probably will. I think if if again, so if if the takeover does happen soon, and we get plenty of time in the window. I'd be surprised not to see at least a little bit of this, um, cash splashed. And I would say that that forward line, getting someone who can put the ball in the net on a regular basis, is going to be the priority. And if that's the case, well, who's the who's going to be the one, the one that gives way and Probably you're looking at either Magennis or Wilkes of the regular starters. Eves is or, probably or both, the best. yeah, yeah, or, or three, um, yeah. Because I think in terms of like KLP, if he goes, it's not going to be really by choice. It's going to be that someone's come in and you know done a Jared Bowen and offered us twenty million mm. pounds for him. Um, Longman, I think, has been good. He's and I think his talk is good as well. He's talking about he still wants to you know put in a. a you know, better performances and he wants to contribute more goals and all that sort of stuff. So I think he's saying all the right the things and has the right motivation. And, and then what are we down into the under-23 strikers pretty much? That's right. Like it's really, because it's really what... Tyler Smith who, and Tyler yeah. I think, look, I think he's, I think he still deserves a little bit of time. He hasn't, he's been playing, you know, bit part, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. He's had, a, I think, one or two starts, maybe not many. Mm. You know, he's 70 minutes the other night. But um, I don't know. I think if you brought in a, if there is a, a, a big push and we bring in a, a quality, experienced striker who's playing at international level, because that's pretty much what we're going to need to get in um, in regards to work permits and all that sort of stuff. Um, someone that he can actually learn off who's, you know, just maybe a, a bit better technically minded or whatever i don't know how to describe it then yeah no yeah then um i think that'll benefit him having someone to mentor him i think a bit more than because even magenis is 27 something 28 maybe even older yeah i think he's like 27 28 yeah yeah he's not he's not super old and you know you bring in um i mean i guess one of the i think one of the rooms was 27 and the others 31 is he 31 magenis yeah Maybe he's 27 when we signed him. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's right. Please, <laughs> all right. Okay, well, he's getting to the age where he should be able to mentor someone. But he's not no, I think he tries his best, but yeah, no. And I think I think it's sort of like we were saying earlier. I think 
for me, Tyler Smith and KLP are young enough and show enough um, endeavour to to keep if we revitalise the squad where you think they could improve along with those players. So like you're saying, I mean, we'll talk now about, so it's Vedat Mariki, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and also Burak Yilmaz are the two strikers who've been linked, um, both playing at international level. Um, uh, Mariki with Kosovo and Yilmaz with Turkey, I believe he's still playing for Turkey. Um, both playing like, you know, Yilmaz is playing, he's got a Champions League tie coming up for Lille. Uh, I think it's Lille. Um, the team in France and 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 that's you know they're sort of saying well Faze agreed but he wants to stay to play in the Champions League. I'm like imagine a player saying oh I can't go to Hull yet because I'm going to play in my Champions League tie and it's the same for Mariki. They've got a Europa League game coming up as well. So you sort of think quality levels if and it's a big if these are rumours if that's the quality of player who is happy to come here that we're able to compete and sign and offer the the correct wages and fees to to interest. That's a huge step up once the takeover goes through. And, and look, the, you know, we've got to keep our feet grounded as well. I mean, you know, papers can look at, you know, Azjun Ilkali coming into the club. He, you know, wants to bring in Turkish players or players that are known in Turkey. One and one makes two. Therefore, we're going to say that Hull are competing for these players. And it could be in reality that we're not. Um, we, don't, we won't know anything until the takeover actually takes place. But going back to Smith and um, KLP, I think having you know, players of that quality at the club, you're suddenly saying if you're playing Smith alongside um, Mariki instead of Tom Eves, no disrespect to Tom Eves, but there's a little bit of a difference in quality there. And, and I think Smith is then all of a sudden going to be already just a better player a better player himself because he's got someone better to play alongside, to play better balls to him, to tell him where to run, um, things like that, but all instantly improve. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, maybe I'll, I'll get I'll get your thoughts. You, what, what what are your thoughts on those links? Do you think that do you think there's any truth to them? Do you think they're possible? I mean, we've already so we sort of it's always funny with, when there's these rumors and you kind of get the saga played out as rumors. So you got Mariki who was first linked for an eight point five million bid, and then we wanted him on loan with a view to a, a permanent in the summer. Then Lazio saying they want the fourteen million now, uh, and it's all like it could all be completely made up, and we haven't got anything to like you know Burnsy and. Um, and Baz haven't said anything on this at all, so you kind of think, well, is there any foundation of mm. truth in this at all? But what what are you? I guess maybe an easier qu- or, or a better phrased question for you would be, what what is sort of the level that you're hoping to see us bring in 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 January? Like, what would you be happy to see? I guess what would you think we need to be able to kind of compete and stay up in the championship? Um, what do we need to stay up? A striker who can score goals. I think do you think do you think these strikers are achievable or do you think it's sort of a uh, dream? I mean it's, it's money talks man if it depends it really depends on how much the the new ownership is you know wants to splash I mean they've they sort of made reference early in this whole proceedings about they've got you know the goal was to take the club to the Premier League and you know have a couple of good years make some money and then maybe sell it on if that's the case and they want to then they're going to have to spend some money to ensure that we can or attempt to ensure that we stay in the championship so that we can push again next year. And if you're going, well, we want to be next year pushing, then, you know, these guys that are being linked might be the right level of quality. I think it's sort of, it's a level of quality that's beyond probably what I would initially expect, but maybe that's perhaps just due to, you know, so years of years of you know free transfers from League One. 
But even that's like, right. that's right. Linked to well, it's like you you linked the thing this morning. That brilliant tweet. Yeah. So we're living in a par- we're living in two parallel universes at the same time. We're being linked to a tenth bid for Regan Slater, and we're being linked to you know Turkish international strikers. And it's like, which reality are we actually living in? Um, but I I think about the I'm trying to think of the last championship or like Premier League promotion season we had. I'm trying to think who we um, actually. Well, that would have so we we, we signed so that because that was that was that question that we we're sort of trying to rack our brains over what's our record signing in the championship mm. and I thought it was Odebajo from Brentford which was that last uh, mm. championship promotion season I think it was actually um, uh, names now going out of my head Liverpool uh, play, uh, Kevin Stewart. Stewart I think Kevin Stewart's actually the record signing mm. but last promotion season to the Premier League we signed what we signed Sam Klukas from Chesterfield we signed Odebajo from Brentford. I think we signed Diamandi in January and yeah. and Powell on loan from United. But I think that was about it. Oh, and like Ryan Taylor on, on a free transfer from Newcastle. Yeah. But, but I think we weren't even obviously back we, we had, had a bigger squad. The, yeah. The, and the squad that had come that had been relegated, yeah. most of them were still there. So but you you know what we had even in those times was, you know, Hernandez banging in twenty goals in the championship. We don't have, yeah, you know, anyone like that's in close to achieving that at the moment. Um, so I, yeah, so I sort of think you bring in an, a Hernandez equivalent. So maybe that's Yilmaz, and you know, we might be talking fantasy here. Maybe it's Yilmaz. Then you've got KLP who might bang in ten to twelve, and that's sort of like the Diami role mm-hmm. in that side. So you've got your two big sort of goal scorers. We've got Huddleston still. I mean, if we can get him fit, like that's that's an easy like for like, <laughs> but. I think, yeah, I mean, we're sort of talking now more generally about the transfer window. I think I think for me, at a bare minimum, three signings, a creative midfielder to go alongside Honeyman and Doherty, a striker and an experienced centre-back as depth. I think I'd also like two full-backs, but I'm sort of, I know we've been linked with this move for um, Brian Reynolds, which I quite like. As it's an American youngster named Brian Reynolds. I'm like, oh, it's got to be a deliberate choice from the parents but i think he's i think he's more likely to go to bruges because i think they're offering a loan and a buy and we just want a loan but i think we need fullbacks with elder and Coyle and emmanuel with their issues but those three a a creative midfielder a striker and a center back yeah it's hard to argue with that um i just keep yeah i don't know i don't know whether the it's hard it's hard for me to wrap like you know the quality thing you're going because I don't really know much about Mariki, and so I'm like, yeah. where does he sit on the quality scale? Is, yeah. is he like, if Hernandez was here, is is he here or is he here or is he like level? Because Hernandez, yeah, because Hernandez scored more in Italy, but then mm. Mariki's sort of older and therefore maybe more more experienced and therefore would adapt to the championship better. I don't know. Like you're saying, it's a really hard judge of quality. Yeah. And you know, and like, just do, do you want to spend ten million like, on a flop? Well, my actual the car I was just about to say, like just as many like clubs spend ten million dollars and bring a striker in is useless as spend mm. ten million dollars and bring it in is instant success. So, and I also just think trying to think about like who are the championship clubs that spend big like when they're in it's the sport. championship. Yeah, this season, like this season like lashes out occasionally. Yeah, well, they used to. I think I think I saw the stat this season that Fulham. In, in buying Harry Wilson for twenty million or something, had spent more this more that summer than the rest of the championship combined. So, 
um, in terms of splashing the cash. I know West Brom, for instance, is signing Daryl DK, who was at Barnsley under um, under their manager. Um, they're signing him, and that's presumably going to be sort of like a 10, 15 million pound mm-hmm. signing, I assume. Um, that's sort of the caliber of that's sort of the money that those clubs are spending to get promoted this season. I, I almost think, like, I sort of get it. I mean, if big if, but if we were to sign someone like a Yumez and then just surrounded him with, like, you know, I don't know, a loan signing, this Brian Reynolds on a loan, we might get a few other cheap signings, it then at least lets other players sort of sit up and take notice and say, oh, City mean business, they're ambitious, they've brought in, what a big name this club now has playing for them. It means that in summer, if we survive, another big if, you then are suddenly able to attack that summer as like a, look, we mean business, we've got this great player who's just banged in, you know, 12 goals and half a season, we're going to go for promotion, we're going to sign three, four, five players to overhaul the overhaul the squad. Players are much more willing to come in that case mm. rather than perhaps joining in January and risking a relegation fight. Yeah, the um, I mean, we're just we're just playing the waiting game for the next yeah. forty-eight hours or so. But I think I can't. I see at this point it'd be be very unlucky for any for that to get knocked back at this stage after having gone through all of the other you know boxes being ticked and things being checked and everything. So. Yeah, and like I think I was, I was saying, like if if Ajun's gone on national TV to say it's yeah. it's all done, I'm like I don't think he's doing that unless it's definitely all done. Like yeah. you know, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I no, think... I really, yeah, I was going to say I realize we've, we've we've spent a lot of time on this section, so we can always we can move on and um and cover that on uh, presumably Wednesday or Thursday if um if that all goes through. Um, yeah. So how about we do we'll do the triple flashback and then we'll finish things off with uh, with the Everton game as a preview and. Uh, you know, sort of appropriate given we've just been talking signings, um, big big money signings or big name signings. Um, I thought I'd ask you the question, can you name the last three City players we've signed on permanent deals from Premier League clubs? I feel like we possibly named one of them in the previous conversation. Kevin, Kevin Stewart, I'm going to say, from Liverpool. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, last three signed on permanent from Premier League clubs. This is the sort of stuff I suck at because I can never remember like who came from where or whether they were in the Premier League at the time. Or well, like yeah, I was just I was about to say I could give you the clubs we signed them from, but if you've just said you're struggling with where they would have come from, that might not necessarily help. But I can give you the three clubs if that helps. Sure. So Southampton, Leicester, and West Ham. So not so not Kevin Stewart. Oh, sure <laughs> yeah, more recently. Than I mean, that. he's a few years, a couple of years ago. Um, so well then. Uh, Calanova, obviously, is Leicester. Ah, uh, oh, Reese Burke, West Ham. Uh, more recent than Reese Burke, no. So, so it was a player that has, did, did not spend much time with us at all. Uh, was signed in the summer that we, oh, sorry, was signed in the window that we sold Bowen and Grzycki. Um, it's another hint I can give. Looked, look, was a standout player for us in the Pizza Cup. Um, and then headed off to a foreign league. Uh, any, any guesses? No, I don't, can't remember anything. It's, I don't, I actually don't blame you because he's a really easily forgotten. It's Martin Samuelson. Oh, he was with us, yeah, he was with us for what 12 months and it was just that a complete. Guy. Yeah, that guy. The third, the third, the third one is all the one from Southampton. If we were doing this, 
you know, six months ago, I reckon you'd get him really easily, but he has been injured all of this season. So if that's a hint as well. Um, so he'd also be one that could be quite easy to forget. It was initially signed on a one-year deal, re-signed. So you're talking Alfie Jones? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Alfie I Jones. I couldn't remember whether, like, I know I knew he had Southampton, like, in his history, but I couldn't remember we, whether we signed him or it was, like, a like release and, like, got him on a uh, thing or what. I couldn't remember, like, exactly how that yeah, I that's true. I've probably che- I've probably twisted it a little bit because I, I I do I do think you're right in retrospect. He probably was released. I think it was a free transfer, but I sort of went with you know he, yeah, he no, sort that's... of signed from Southampton, but nah, I, I th- yeah, no, nah, I think he did pretty well on that one. It's it's yeah, it's it's, it's sort of interesting because I sort of think like we signed what we signed Elder from Leicester mm. Grant's first season and then Alfie Jones in League One. But then we didn't sign any this season. We've kind of gone back to League One rather than to Premier League clubs. But uh, anyway, that was the that was the three players. Um, all right. Well, let's finish things off then because it, it's been going for a little while. Uh, we'll do a preview of that Everton game this weekend, uh, which I am buzzing for. My my best mates and Everton supporter, so I do know I've been watching their results a little bit more closely than some of the other teams. Um, struggling at the moment under Benitez, who came in during the summer. A uh, bit of controversy, of course, coming sort of indirectly from Liverpool, having sort of gone on Sky Sports at various points, calling Everton a small club. I, I'm sure that went, went down well when he was announced as their manager. Um, under a bit of pressure as well. I, I I almost get the feeling that if we were to beat them in this game, he uh, he might have managed his last game for Everton. But it's a bit of an interesting one because I think they've just sacked their director of football and said to Benitez, you can run the shop and you can sign players, you can do everything. So if they suddenly turn around and say, oh, well, you've lost a couple of more, couple more games, you're out of the cup, see you later. Um, I'll see how that goes. But um, the other interesting fact was I saw that we actually haven't played them since 2017, which seems like quite a while ago now. And it was a game where Lukaku scored two goals in the 90th minute. It was like 90th and 93rd minute or something to turn a 2-0 respectable loss into a bit of a belting um, under Marco Silva. Because I think it was it might well have been one of Phelan's last games or Silva's first game was that 2-2 game where Snodgrass got the, um, the free kick goal right at the end to earn us a point. Um, I think it was might have been Phelan's last game. Um, but, yeah, so we, we don't have a fantastic record against them. I think they've got uh, – well, I think it's it's sort of two wins for them, one win for us and two draws in the last five games, which makes it, I guess, a, a bit competitive. Um, they've got Calvert-Lewin back from injury now, who, who may well start up top for them as he's sort of coming back to fitness. Or they might say we don't want to risk playing him twice in a week and rest him for um, – I think they've got Leicester in the league a few days later. Um, they've signed uh, – left back, Mike, Mike, Mike Kalenko or someone, Ukrainian. Um, they're about to sign Patterson, the left back, oh, sorry, right back from Rangers. So they might get those guys in for a debut. And I was sort of hoping that we might have a few players in line for a debut for this game, but I think it's sort of rapidly running out of time for that to be the case. Um, but yeah, I guess general thoughts on the game. Do you think we'll go sort of full strength for this one? What sort of chance do you give us? Uh, and uh, how keen are you for the Premier League opposition? Look, I think... Um... <clears throat> If you know we're, we're talking the next forty-eight hours, things are going to happen, and things are going to be there's going to be a very different atmosphere around this game and around the club and around everything. So I, I'm actually really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be it's going to be great. We'll have new owners, um, and I think yeah, pretty much it'll be that um be a nice positive feel around it. I, I think you just have. I think I can't see any reason. There's no logical reason to not go full strength. It's just, yeah, well, I didn't even realize we don't have a game until the following Sunday. 
it's not even yeah. like we have a midweek game. So mm. there's no. I mean, that could, and, who knows, yeah. that, that could change, but. <laughs> true. We've got, we've true. got catch ups to, to, to squeeze true. in somewhere, but who knows? But yeah, no, I think um, I'd, I'd be going whatever full strength looks like for us. I just put everyone who's who's fit, who's who, you know best 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 fit um, in in the squad, play them, and then just hope for the best. I mean, I think um, it was interesting because I was reading something about um, Rafa this morning, and I thought it's going to be wild to think like there's. If we happen to be to be winning or, or at, at some point during that game, there's going to be a, a, a section of championship, like bottom of the championship fans who are going to be singing, you're getting sacked in the morning to beat the Nunez from Manning. It's going to, it'll happen. If we get 1-0 up somewhere, yeah. someone's going to start singing that and that'll be, that'll be worth, just worth tuning in to, to, to watch. But no, I think it'll, it'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's four thirty. Four thirty in the morning is a pretty ruthless um, time slot. But other than that, it should be. Oh, it beats two AM. Worth watching. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it's on. It's essentially on free to air over here. We're quite lucky. It's on um, Channel Ten. Have the rights to the FA Cup over here. So on Ten Play, they're showing all the FA Cup games that are televised over in the UK, plus a few others, I think. Um, so, so it's actually the most uh, most available, most accessible city game that we've had in probably, I'd say, almost ever. Mm. I can't. Oh well. Probably since the FA Cup final, because that would have been on yeah. SBS. So, yeah, um, good opportunity for City fans across Australia to tune in and um, watch the boys for this one. Um, do you have a Do you have a score prediction for it, or or a result prediction? Not a serious one, <laughs> but I'll give. I'm going to say we're going to win two one. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm going to go for. Um, Lewis Potter to, to get a goal, and I reckon Honeyman. I reckon Honeyman's got a good taste for the big occasion. I reckon he'll he'll grab a goal for us in it as well. Um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go two nil. I reckon we can keep them out. We'll batter them. It'll be fantastic. Um, but, yeah, but no. It's, you know, it's the magic of the cup, right? The cup, good old cup game. It doesn't whether they're in form or yeah. we're in form. Actually, essentially means nothing heading into this game. So it's just a just a game. May as well have a crack. And I think. Um, we can we can be the cup upset. Absolutely no, it's a it's a great game to look forward to, and um, we've we got we've got Danny in the chat. He's just uh, he's just given his prediction, saying two ten two two will take it to pens. Um, we do like a good game going to penalties in um, in the cup at, at, uh, in recent years, and actually it's a good point as well. Is they've scrapped the FA Cup replay, so we will get a result on Sunday morning, um, which will be quite nice. It'll just be you know everything to play for, no no risk of going to a replay as well. So. Yeah, I reckon we could take it to Pens if needed and we can um, knock them over on penalties as well. But, uh, look, thank you for joining, for joining me for this one, Dan. No worries. No problem. And we'll hopefully be back in just a couple of days. We're hoping to do a special episode once that takeover is confirmed um, with a couple of people from the Tigers down under just to chat all things takeover, all things um, potentially on the horizon for the club. Uh, we sort of touched on t- uh, transfers already here, but we'll go into a bit more detail for that as well. But... Otherwise, until next time, thanks for tuning in. Come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Odds. The music was created by Amber Black. Tigers are roaring, a destiny's 
There's no turning back, cause you're out.